Hello, this is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me, and you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And so today, we are going to be talking with David Nassif, who is the Senior Advisor and Envoy here at Ashley. And I am sitting at Ashley Treatment Center, which is in Off Grace, Maryland. And it's a special place for me. Um, I am not only interning here now, this is my second semester in the graduate program that I'm in, but uh, I also was a patient here back in 2012, and so it holds a special place for me, and uh, they were gracious enough to allow me to come back and work on this side of the fence, which has been a very, very good experience, and I really appreciate those folks allowing me to come back here and and work at Ashley. So David and I go back a a few years, and uh, just want to introduce you to him because he has really uh, just a bird's eye view and insight into the history of Ashley and specifically uh, Dr. or uh, Father Joseph Martin, who uh, was one of the co-founders of Ashley. And we're going to go into that a bit today. So with that, David, thank you for joining me. Thank you. And uh, thank you for inviting me to be here. Yeah. Well, see, David's an early bird. He likes to get up really, what time did you get up today? Uh, quarter to five. Quarter to five. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know what? He had to, he hesitated on that because he's he doesn't want to tell me that he got up at about three a.m. Well, we'll see <laughs> to get here. And so we uh, we we cut it even here, and it's about seven a.m. right now. So it's an early morning podcast uh, for me, probably not for you if you're listening. But uh, so, Dave, if you would just go through a little bit, tell us a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your background, and then how did you come here to Ashley? Okay. Well, uh, again, my name is Dave Nassif. Uh, I I thank you for being here, Mike, and asking me to do this. Um, I'm a, a former executive from a company up in Connecticut called Pitney Bowes. I've been in recovery uh, myself personally for 38 plus years. Uh, part of my story in terms of treatment and recovery is uh, the company I worked for back in the mid-1970s. was one of the first companies in, in the United States, at least, that had what you now call an EAP. Uh, we had a large manufacturing workforce. We had a large corporate staff workforce. Uh, I was uh, myself. I was drinking every day, uh, but I, I decided that what the company needed was a program to take take care of uh, you people who can't hold, people who couldn't hold their liquor or handle their drugs, even though I was in the middle of it myself. So we set that program up. Uh, it's still going today. In two thousand and one, it was kind of a forerunner for other companies like IBM to set up their own, what we now call EAPs. Uh, I eventually got the message myself. And as I said, I got sober in 1983. Uh, I went through a personal experience with my then teenage older son with him having drug problems. And I didn't know what to do about that. Um, And in order to kind of stay sane myself, um, I got involved with going around and talking to local high schools in Connecticut, both the parents groups and, and student groups, and sometimes together. And those were different talks, by the way, <laughs> when you're talking to just the students, because they're more honest and open and candid, and actually, quite frankly, more knowledgeable about what's going on, mm-hmm. not only in 1975, but also in 2001. Uh, parents were more into denial, if you will. 
But anyhow, that's how I kind of got on into this. And then if you're a, a recovering alcoholic in the state of Connecticut, uh, you were very familiar with High Watch Farm, which I'll get into in a minute. But back in 1989, I was invited to go to a conference in the Soviet Union, Moscow, on addiction. Why I was invited was not because I was myself in recovery, but because of that EAP. Uh, it was a 10-day conference. For The first few days were plenary sessions with, with uh, key people from the states sharing their expertise. And then after that, we they put us into different venues. So I spent about a week going to different manufacturing slash factories in and around Moscow. Uh, at that conference was uh, some very interesting people, a guy by the name of Lou Bantle, who was the CEO of a corporation in Connecticut, and also Father Martin. And this is 1989. He was a very, very iconic figure. He was known throughout the world then, more, more so than even today, uh, in the field of treatment. He had, uh, he had been a consultant to the United States Navy. They produced a film called Chalk Talk, mm -hmm. which even today, today, is being used in most treatment centers. It is probably the best description of alcoholism and recovery for a layperson that you're still going to find. Uh, but he was an iconic figure, and I was really surprised. And there were two people, I mean, surprised. I was honored to meet him, and that's where I met him, and, and started a relationship uh, that lasted until he died. I was literally with him a few days before he died, uh, back in, in the 1980s. Um, but the... Um, now, he, he passed away in I'm 2003? Sorry, 2003, yeah. Two, 2003 yeah, yeah, is when yeah. he passed away. Right. So, but that... That relationship went from 89 to 2003. Right. I'm sorry about that. Um, so anyhow, and also there were uh, uh, two members of the board of directors of Ashley, uh, including the chairman, Lou Bantle, and another man, who, uh, Rod Chandler, who was a congressman from the state of uh, Washington, and he was representing, representing President H. Bush. This was a big deal in Moscow, at the time, it was literally held in the Kremlin itself. Um, at that session, as I said, I got to meet all of these people. When I came back to the United States, we, about a year later, held a similar conference, invited the Soviets to come to it. Um, and I was very involved in the logistics of that. We actually had the first few days of that session. That conference was in our corporate headquarters in Connecticut. After that, Lou Bantle uh, asked me if I would get involved with this place called High Watch Farm. That's, uh, it was a rehab that's still going uh, and was actually founded by Bill Wilson and Marty Mann back in 1940. So if you're a recovering alcoholic uh, in that part of the United States, especially uh, up in New England, I mean, High Watch Farm was sacred ground. It's, it's interesting, Mike, because today we have three representatives of High Watch visiting Ashley. Uh, we have a very close relationship with them because this Lou Bantle actually was, uh, had himself got sober at High Watch. He was a big, uh, contributed a lot of funds to, the, to a building up there in Connecticut called uh, Bantle Hall. And you and I are sitting right next door to, to another building here at Ashley called Bantle Hall. That's right. That's right. It's a whole other, it's an interesting 
connection. So um, I did that, and I eventually became the president of that board. And that's where I started to learn, as a layperson, the art and science of treatment. Um, the company then moved me to Washington, D.C., so I stepped down, and then this guy, Lou Bantle, calls <laughs> me and said, we want you on the board here at Ashley. Uh, and that's when I really started developing a relationship with Father Martin and May Abraham. When I got on the board, and a few years later, I became the chairman of the board. I held that seat for a good 18, 19 years, and then I was honored three years ago when I retired from that corporation, by the way. I thought I retired. Uh, the board of directors had actually asked me to be the CEO uh, here for mm. about two or three years and to help, um, if you will, develop the future leadership mm -hmm. of Ashley. So use my corporate experience, my recovery experience, and my internal intimate knowledge of Ashley uh, to help develop the next leadership for Ashley going forward. Right. So that's kind it's of- It's amazing how, how God uses all your background and your experiences. And yes, you use your yes. Marine Corps experience oh, too. Oh, I, no, no, I, I, I've been, experience. you know, it's funny when I was sitting in this, in the CEO's office on a Sunday afternoon, I called the former chairman of the board at Pitney Bowes, who was re obviously retired himself. And I said, George, I need to thank you because he was my mentor in corporate America. And he taught me how to, for example, read a balance sheet like a story instead of like an accountant. Uh, I'm kind of getting up, but I, I learned a lot of corporate disciplines. You know, we're, we're a nonprofit, mm -hmm. but as one old timer told me, you know, you know what they call a nonprofit business that doesn't take care of business. I said, what? He said, bankrupt. <laughs> so, you know, we have, you know, t as we sit here today, we're treating yeah. over about 400 patients, either in the inpatient or outpatient. We have 300 employees. Uh, so there is a lot. <laughs> you got to have a business sense if you want to stay. There's around. a lot of moving parts, yeah. And uh, but then you have to have obviously uh, the, the spiritual side of it. And yes, the leadership. Uh, you know, I'll just tell you, I you know, as an officer, I was a captain in the Marine Corps, and I went through a lot of leadership training in corporate America. Mm -hmm. I haven't learned one thing I didn't learn. <laughs> it's all it, it was all there at 22 years old. So mm -hmm. yeah, I put all of that together. Um, some people have told me that they think it was uh, divine providence that I had all of these disparate experience, leadership, management, that type of, and, and recovery myself, put it all together to be a CEO of this, this institution. Nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens Nothing. by accident, yeah. especially in recovery. That's right. Especially yeah. in recovery, yes. So, um, so here I am. Now, I... Ashley is a, a, this is a very unique, special place. Uh, I'll give you a brief history, and Mike, if you want, you can yeah, yeah. ask me to embellish upon it. Father Martin was a recovering alcoholic himself. Um, he was a, a Catholic priest. The, uh, his, he was a teacher. He, he was in an order of Catholic priests that, that trained other priests. Mm -hmm. That was his specialty. But he was also an alcoholic. He had literally was asked to leave that job. He got sober himself uh, in a program out in, outside of Detroit, Michigan, uh, called Gate Gate uh, Gateway. It's a it's a program. It's a ninety day program. It's still going today for clerics, not just priests, ministers, that type. Mm -hmm. And that's where he got sober. And what he learned there, uh, in addition to th at that time, 
the normal treatment modalities, 12 steps, that type of thing, is what, he, what that taught him was dignity. You have to provide, when you're in a treatment modality, no matter what you're doing with, with the medicine, with the psychology, with the spirituality, you have to give the alcoholic their dignity. Yeah. That's a big big component of what then and now. Yeah. So he worked actually for the state of Maryland doing uh, alcohol education. One night, he was asked to present this uh, talk he would give called Chalk Talk. Mm -hmm. And it literally stood in front of a blackboard. And again, as I said earlier, explained in very easily understood terms, what is alcohol? What does it do to the brain? What does it do to the body? What is recovery? In a very simple terms, but very profound terms. Uh, in the audience one night was a woman trying to get sober named May Abraham. And that's where they met. Um, a few months later, Father Martin literally didn't have a place to live because the priesthood still wasn't <laughs> accepting him back. And he went to spend a long weekend with May and her husband, Tommy, and never left until he died in, in uh, 2003. May was the person that said, Father, you, we, need to, we need to take that dream of yours because ever since he came back from Gateway, um, he had this dream of starting his own treatment center. Now, where does he go? He doesn't, he doesn't literally have a nickel to his name. Mm -hmm. But the next thing that happens in the evolutionary story of Ashley is at one of the nights that he was giving his talk on Chalk Talk, there was a captain from the United States Navy in the room who uh, worked out of the Pentagon. And afterwards, he invited Father Martin to go to the Pentagon. He wanted to introduce him to, I don't know what their jobs were in the Navy, but, uh, but they, were, they were located in the Pentagon because the Navy was having an issue with drugs and alcohol. Right, right. And they literally convinced him to do two things, Father Martin. That is, you ought to take this chalk talk, talk that you give, and let's put it on film. And we'll produce it. We'll pay for the cost of all of that. And oh, by the way, we'd like to hire you as a consultant. No, because when you say film, this was, I believe, the 1970s. Yes. The, yeah. So this yes. was on yes. film. Yes. Um, just to, just to kind of, by way of background, the, Na the Navy had, I know there was a big incident on the USS Forrestal where uh, those that may not remember, uh, there was a, a missile that was uh, shot off of an airplane that was on the deck, uh, ironically piloted by John McCain. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, it, but it killed um, over 100 sailors, I believe. Yes, when, yes. And so yes. the Navy went and did a study on this or looked into it and found out that a significant number of the sailors yes. uh, involved in this had uh, marijuana and other drugs yes. in their system. So, yeah. that's, so that's why the Navy in particular right. was really, really big into this particular issue. Right. But uh, yeah, so this is the 1970s that we're talking uh, about. And I, yeah. I just learned something. I don't know if that yeah. was the same incident that John McCain yeah, it was. was injured because um, we'll it was talk, his plane. We'll talk about that later yeah. because you know what happened <laughs> yeah. after that. So the, so, so the Navy's really interested in this. The and they, Navy they is very, the very interested, yeah. more than interested. Yeah. They, 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 they put forth the resources right. to put this on film and also to hire Father Martin as a consultant mm -hmm. to go around to Navy bases around the world giving that message of... Uh, of treatment of recovery so yeah there's a real connection here 
between. So those two things are happening. Meanwhile, May and Father, are, they've got this dream. How do you actualize this dream? They came across a man by the name of Sam Noble. Mm-hmm. Mike and I, for your information, are mm-hmm. sitting in a building called the Noble Hall. Noble Hall, yeah. And he is actually, it was Sam's wife who had, was in recovery herself. And she heard Chalk Talk, and she brought said, Sam, you've got to go meet this guy. Now, Sam was a very, very wealthy industrialist here in the States. I, I, uh, by the way, his granddaughter is on the board of directors here, so there's three generations of nobles. And he was very involved in oil and in agriculture, still is, and, and had a lot of money, quite frankly. And he told them, what you need to do to actualize your dream is, Father, you need to get on the road and do this chalk talk and raise money. If you do that, I will match what you raise. So um, they did that. He did. Uh, and originally, Ashley was going to be located in North Carolina. That's where May came from. Her father was a Baptist minister, but he owned ac- I don't know, hundreds of acres of land down there. And he donated, I think, 30 acres or so for Ashley. And for three years, they set up a board. Sam was the chairman of it. And they were having a hard time raising even more money. But more importantly, the regulatory environment in Carolina was not conducive, especially this land that they were given was located in the Bible Belt of the United States. For those of you, for our international friends, Mm -hmm. that's translated no alcohol. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of hard to have an alcohol rehab in in the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. Um, Tommy Abraham... May's husband, became aware of a a piece of property here in Hoffa de Grace, Maryland, literally on the Chesapeake Bay, that was being sold by a a senator's family, the Tidings. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Tidings here in Maryland, the state of Maryland, there are two generations of senators. And this building that we're sitting in, Mike, was the homestead for this family. And they, for whatever reason, were going to sell it along with about... I don't know, 30, 40 acres. And Tommy became aware of it. Uh, they had offers, uh, but Father in May, still with no whole lot of money, <laughs> nothing going on here, came out and looked at it uh, and wanted to buy it. And the tidings, and I know this firsthand because Senator Tidings told me this himself, uh, they fell in love with Father Martin in May. Uh, they're both very charismatic people. Uh but when they left this property, the family said, you know, they're great people. They got a great dream. They'll be broke in a year. <laughs> we can't <laughs> yeah. sell to them. But then uh, then the Tidings family met Sam Noble. And they said, you know what? If you take these visionary people with this great dream and you put it together with this hard-nosed businessman, I think it'll make it work. And by the way, here we are, 38 years. We're still sitting here. We're still yeah. sitting here. Uh, so off they went. Um how much of the early the early history is interesting for about three years. So we opened they opened the doors in this building. There were only uh, two buildings on the property at the time. They opened this building uh, for treatment uh, in 1983. They, um, you know, about a half a dozen patients or so, and they literally crawled along for about three years. Uh, there were times they couldn't meet payroll. There were times that. Um, 
they almost couldn't pay for food for the even eight, nine, ten patients that they had. Uh, but but they they struggled on and didn't know if they're going to have to close up. And another, the next significant thing that happens now, the program itself was based on the principles of the 12 steps. The, the, the mission of Ashley is to take the science of medicine, the, psych, the uh, psychology, and, and the spirituality, compassion. Take those three pillars, science, psychology, and spirituality. Those were the three pillars in 1983. Those are the three pillars today. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the field of somewhere between science and psychology, something was happening here in the States in 86. There was a, name, a man by the name of Torsky who was coming up with a concept that you needed to have a special program, a separate program uh, in a treatment center dealing with people who are having chronic relapse. Right. This was an, an innovative new concept that people who were having problems with relapse, continuous relapse, mm-hmm. you needed to treat them, you needed to give them something else to deal with the relapse issues. And um, he came here to visit Father Martin. Again, he, he, was, he, he wasn't a known figure then. Anybody yeah. in the United States that studies at Hazel, to any yeah. place, that goes back and studies treatment modalities, he is a very known... He's, he's pretty well known now. He's, he's, yeah, he's you're still right. well known. He's a required yeah. reading. Yeah. He wrote the textbooks on how you do relapse therapy. But he came here, and, and Father Martin in May allowed him to use Ashley as, as, if you will, a laboratory, test his theories out. He hadn't written anything yet. And that's what he did. And if you read his biography, he gives credit to Ashley and Father Martin for, for uh, allowing him to be able to take these theories. I, I bring this up because that was very significant. And then we, stu- we were the first uh, treatment center to, to actually put in a relapse, what they now call relapse track, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's what really spurred Ashley's growth that we had this program. And that's things turned around like in 1986, and off we went. But I think, Mike, then and now, it's very important to understand that actually, again, science, psychology, spirituality, they're still the three pillars. Mm -hmm. What has evolved since 1983, 1986, least here at Ashley is the evolution, thank God, of science and psychology of what we're doing. The spirituality part of it hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. Nobody has improved on the 12 steps that I know of, okay? Uh, The trick, in my opinion, remember, you're talking to a businessman here, not a psychologist himself. The trick is to take the, in a treatment modality, Mm -hmm. is to take the, the, the spirituality based on the 12 steps and integrate that into what you're doing with the science, what you're doing with the psychology. That's right, because the medical assisted treatment, that's, that's really yes. what's come along yes. since the yes. 80s, is yes. the medical assistance part yes. of this. That, that, yeah. is, that is huge, and I'll tell you, and I was part of the, what, wait a minute, what, whoa, 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 stop, slow down here, you know? <laughs> what are you doing here with medicine? Bill Wilson didn't need this kind of thing. However, you know, a lot of old-time people in recovery, I guess I, I go into that mode, 
I often tell him, go back and read what Bill Wilson said. The very last speech that Bill Wilson gave in Manhattan, a public, <coughs> public speech, and I go ahead and look it up. Yeah. He made two points. We, we in Alcoholics Anonymous, always have to be open to new ideas in this treatment world. Yes, he did. We have yeah. to be open to it. And the last thing he said in that speech was, and I want to thank you for your lives. He was talking about the lives of recovering alcoholics because that is, the, that is mm-hmm. isn't that what it's all about? You know, the lives that we share our lives with each other, correct? But he was very clear that we need to be open. And in fact, if you read the big book, old timers, it's mm-hmm. in the beginning of it. He talks about being open to new ideas. So yes, medically mm-hmm. assisted treatment. And even here at Ashley, for a while, was like, wait a minute, what, whoa, 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 what is this? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, but when integrated with, again, the spirituality, it works. Because even in the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk about the first thing you got to do with the alcoholic is stabilize them physically. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's ever worked with an alcoholic or a drug addict, you know, especially during those first few weeks, I mean, you know, if you throw the and Bill Wilson again has said that if you throw the spirituality at them too soon, woo, you got to get their brain slowed down. You got to get them physically able. And so, yes, medically assisted treatment was the first. But I would say there's other things happening in the field today also around. Uh, remember, I told you uh, we were one of the first, if not the first, to have a separate track relapse mm-hmm. to go along with primary well today you walk the grounds of ashley there's all different groups right i yeah, mean society right. has changed you have groups for okay this was an innovative at the time separate the sexes men and women women have their own group we have, we have our own women's meditation uh, room right off where mike and i are sitting today mm-hmm. but men women youth oh my god younger people they don't talk the same language. It might be English, but it doesn't sound the same. <laughs> the true. message the same. The yeah. language. So yeah, no. There's separate track for young. There's separate track uh, minorities, people of different sexual. So there's you know and and different I group. Think, so different group, group like uh, groups that they can meet in. Yes, that yes. are in addition to the yes. the actual clinical yes, groups yeah. that they're part and of. And the other thing I, that has really taken off here, and I think others, is. Um, not only medically assistant, but being open to other treatment modalities. So if you were at Ashley here six years ago, uh, you'd say acupuncture? What? What are you talking about? Uh, aqua therapy? Uh, acupuncture? As I said, uh, oh, yoga? <laughs> you know, so These are all new therapeutic devices that have been integrated into the meditation, medication like and, yeah. and the whole yeah. bit. We have we have a uh, a beautiful and I don't care whether you, whatever your belief it is in a higher power. We have a beautiful chapel here mm-hmm. on our campus that Father Martin built, and it's literally on the water. And I remember going in there one morning because the the back bay window faces the east, sun rising, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go in there when the sun's rising and, and coming through that window with the the Ashley logo on it, it's quite an experience. I went in there one morning as the sun was rising, and there were two women up on the altar. Now, this is a Christian Catholic altar. On either side of it, they were doing yoga. 
Interesting, because they were integrating their, their yoga therapy is their spirituality, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. So there are multiple kinds of uh, treatment modalities that are evolving. And today, here we are, 2001, we are very fortunate here at Ashley. We're only 35 miles or so from John Hopkins. And we have John Hopkins researchers on our campus today uh, doing research to improve outcomes. In the treatment world, that's how you're measured, right? What is your outcome? What, especially if you're dealing with insurance companies. Give, tell us what your outcomes are. How successful are you? So we have literally professional researchers on our campus uh, doing research in terms of how to, uh, to improve outcomes. What, what can you do? What's new? What, and it, so we're lucky because now we're on the forefront of that, right? I mean, Johns Hopkins is a pretty well-known uh, medical facility. Oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, so we're very for, and we hope to, uh, in the very near future, actually uh, even grow that research arm of what we're doing uh, with, with them. So uh, that's a real quick <laughs> history. The, yeah, now we've grown from, just so you know, we've grown from that half a dozen of the, back in 83, where pre-COVID we had uh, 120 inpatient beds, were licensed to do 120. But the, another big thing that we, we uh, took a turn, you know, recently in our history is about six, seven years ago, um, right around uh, after the Affordable Care Act was implemented here in the States, which meant you had to open up, you had to provide services to people who didn't have access, if you will. Um, we were visited here by a, uh, one of the major hospital chains uh, in the state of Maryland. And they came in, I was at that time chairman, and they said, look, we want, we need to and want to have an intensive outpatient program. We're mandated to provide services, but we also want that. But we don't know a damn thing about it. Literally, <laughs> all right? So we would like you guys to come into our hospital and set up the program. We would outsource to you, to use a corporate uh, word, outsource to Ashley. And uh, and by the way, you got six months to do it. <laughs> we want to open the doors. And so we did. It's a hospital right down the road. Because did, it, did Ashley have an outpatient no. prior to? So this no. was the beginning of, this was the beginning. not only for them, but for Ashley right. as and, well. Right. And, right. and to be honest with you, it wasn't on one of our strategic objectives at the time. Right. But we were... You know, the hospital came to us and said, look, we have a need, a dire need. You have the skills. Right. So let's put those two together. And so we did. We opened the door. I think it was six and a half months yeah. at Upper Chesapeake Bay. That has gone so well that at that hospital setting that they've actually, we actually had to move across the street with a standalone the, the hospital has what they call a crisis center for people having all kinds of mental health problems. And so they gave us space. So we're right there with them. Um, and then about a year or two after that, with the success of that, another hospital on the other end of the state, up almost on the, De uh, the Delaware border came and said, hey, we want you to open one in ours. And so and we did. And it actually, in terms of access, to clients, it's a different uh, demographic group. These are people who are on 
uh, uh, state aid, if you mm -hmm. will. We call it here in the States, Medicaid. We had never uh, administered, if you will, treated Medicaid patients. So this was our first step into mm. there. And that's going well. So if you take the inpatient population is here this morning, you add it to, especially before COVID, and we can get into COVID in a minute, how we mm. responded to that. But pre-COVID, and now we're getting out of COVID, hopefully, uh, you have well over 400 patients that we're treating on a daily basis. That's the growth there. And uh, and we were, were able, because of, pro now let's go back to the business model. We mm. had, this is critical. I, I learned this from that chairman of the board that I told you I yeah. called on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I learned that from him, because he was very involved in, in nonprofits himself, that the key to uh, long-term sustainability in a nonprofit, no matter what your mission is, is that board. Not that they micromanage, but they, their governance. And this institution, from the very beginning, the board of directors to what we have today, have people who are com as committed to the mission uh, as the staff, as Father Martin himself, uh, if you will, to mm -hmm. the mission of, of, of treating the alcoholic uh, and going one step further. And that is critical because what does that mean? But they also take care of the business side of it. You know, we have to. a lot of people yeah. have great ideas. They, they implement it and it just and then they fall apart. So we have a very good operational foundation that allowed us during COVID to keep going, right. to not shut our doors, not lay off any employees, not furlough any employees, even though we cut our population by 50% because of the, the restraints we had with COVID. But we, but we, we really realized that if, if you ever, anybody listening comes here, you will see this is a beautiful facility. It, facilities. it is, yeah. But... I often say to donors and I often say to alumni <clears throat> that if we had a Tusami hit this place and wipe out every building we have, we could build again. The key, the key to any program, treatment program that we have, and I think any of the, is the staff. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about, the connection between the patient and whoever the staff is. Mm -hmm. And I, I read on a monthly basis, Mike, we do a uh, uh, patient surveys. It's very detailed. You know, there must be eight different pages, check the box. Yeah. But then they're allowed to write narratives. And let me tell you something. <laughs> I don't know about you when you left Ashley. They're not afraid to write. No. I mean, they <laughs> they can all, do and will tell they, you what they think. They can and do, <laughs> yes. And we... <laughs> I read them all, especially the narratives, right? And it's really, here's the key. Most of the time, a lot of the time, they're talking about the person who gave them the bacon eggs in the morning. Yeah. They're talking about the housekeepers. If you don't buy into that mission, no matter who you are, our patients, and, any, and I think any treatment, they actually have more personal contact with the the housekeepers, oh, the, they do. Yeah. the people in the cafeteria, what we call our uh, clinical assistants, right? Mm -hmm. CAs, that kind of thing. And they're as important to us accomplishing what we're doing as the counselors. Look, I'm very proud of the counselors we have, et cetera. But 
it's you you have to be all in you have to you you, you mentioned i was a marine corps officer mm-hmm. i mean the pfc has got to be as all in as as the colonel right they have to be they have, in fact they're the ones out there in the front line they're the ones doing the work so <laughs> yeah. it's the same it's, yeah. I, I use that same analogy yeah. here at ashley you know and everybody here is so friendly and and if if you ever get a chance to come here to Ashley and visit, it really is an amazing experience. As we sit here now, as I'm as I'm talking to David, the sun is coming up. Yeah. Uh, just in the in the short conversation we've had, it's just getting brighter and brighter, and it's just a, a beautiful place. But everybody here, when you go into the kitchen and you're you're getting your food, everybody is just so friendly. The people that are cleaning yes. the offices. Uh, are very very friendly and it and it just is a wonderful place. I mean, it really is. This is a kind of a place that you would go well, vacation at. Well, but it's a good place to heal. Let me yeah. respond to that yeah. two ways. One is from a therapeutic point of view. Remember what I said in the beginning. What Father Martin learned and May learned from mm-hmm. from his experience in treatment. Dignity, dignity. Yes. So yeah. when people drive up here, they say, "Oh my God." And they're at such a low point in their oh, life yeah. when they arrive. Yeah, think yeah. of the mentality. I'm going to a treatment. They're thinking of. They got this image, and they walk. This is a. This looks like a country club. It, by, it, it, it does by design. It does. Yeah, because you know what the message we're trying to give you from the very beginning. You deserve it. Right. Get sober. You deserve this here. You know. So that's that's a big big part of the puzzle, if you will. The dignity that you have that. And there's stories that float around, and I and David, you can tell yeah, me if this sure. is true or not, but there used to be stories of Father Martin used to sit in oh, the cafeteria uh, Father, over here and he would meet the patients when they would come yes, in to get food. Yes, and he, yes, and I heard yes. that he would say thing he would say something like this, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. He would he would say, Welcome. Yes. Your nightmare has ended. That's where it starts. Yes. Is that what he would say? Yes. First of yeah. all, especially in early days, they knew People they knew who he coming. was, yeah. He was the one, he was the greeter, if anybody's ever been. He mm-hmm. was the greeter. Now, obviously, as we grew, that went out. But he was as much involved in the daily uh, uh, lectures and counseling as any of the counselors. At the end, but that went out, and at the end of his life, he had real health problems, mm-hmm. severe health problems, quite frankly, wheelchair-bound health problems. Mm-hmm. But the last two, three years of his life, he would come here at least three days a week in the wheelchair They'd wheel him into the dining room. He would just sit there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the patients would greet him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now and, his, court. <laughs> and his line was, welcome, yeah. your nightmare is over. Yeah. And the other thing he would say that might be a little, little controversial here, he would tell the patients two things. Number one, your recovery begins when you leave here. Right. Begins when you leave here. We will give you the tools to stay sober. You have the choice to use them or not. If you use them, I guarantee you, you will stay sober. It's on you. That's the controversial part. We have a hundred. We talked about outcomes, right? The insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a hundred percent outcome if you use the tools that are given to you here. You know, but the recovery starts. This, it's not a. So he or he realized early on what I call day twenty nine that you can have the best experience in the world in a twenty eight day what was the 28-day program. But it all depends on what you do with what you've learned when you leave here Yeah. or any treatment program at all. We now call that in the field the extended care, right? Mm-hmm. We all realize extended care. 
including the insurance companies, by the way. Yeah. That it's really key. And there is so much truth about that. And, and on other episodes of this podcast, we've we've talked about that. That right. You know, it's not like you go to treatment and, and you... You're healed, okay? It's no. not. It's not that. that. What treatment? If you've not been to treatment, and if you're listening to this podcast, and you're somebody that is suffering right now, and if you're listening to this podcast, you either it's either yourself or someone you know, a loved one that is trying to get well. This is work. Recovery is work. Now you come here to Ashley or any other treatment center for that matter. Right. You're being given tools on what to do to stay sober and get well. But the work is there, and it has to it has to be done. Yes. And Father Martin, if you've not seen, if you have not seen Chalk Talk, uh, you can get it on YouTube. Yep. Uh, I know here at Ashley, you can go to Ashley's website, and you can order copies of it. They have a store here called the Oak Store at Ashley, and you can you can order copies of of Chalk Talk. I have to say, it is the best. There's a lot of documentaries that have been made about addiction, but I think Chalk Talk is by far the best. And he, by the way, Father Martin. <laughs> Uh, just to, and this is just my opinion. He, in my opinion, was the best public speaker I've ever oh. seen. Forget about yes. the fact that he's talking yeah, about no, recovery. He, he, he was, was just a phenomenal. He speaker. was also a part-time comedian. He, he was. Yeah. He really, and he would in this talk, if you look at or any mm-hmm. talks, he would infuse loop uh, humor too. He he's and hilarious. A lot of, he's oh my god. And he has the, he'd he have you crying man. and laughing in the. Oh. He could go from yes, uh, just incredibly yes. serious. To make you falling out of your chair laughing in yes. the same sentence, and and not and that that was a gift. He was yes. a truly gifted man. Yeah. Remember, I told you he's. Yeah. You mentioned about me the different skills that I mm-hmm. learned along the way in corporate America and in the Marine Corps. Remember, he was a teacher. Yes, he was. He was. You know, I don't want to. As as a Catholic priest, his mission, his audience were seminarians, people learning to be pre- So he knew how to get up in front of a group. He, mm-hmm. he was taught about public speak. Plus, he was a natural comedian anyhow. But every one of his jokes had a meaning. Yes. They, they, all, they, they fit they all, perfectly yeah. in the point yes. that he was trying to make. Yes. And just unbelievable uh, gift, unbelievably I, gifted speaker. Yeah. Some, some people would say, is it the best? I will tell you this. You should start out with it. Yeah. Start out with it. And I, looking, you know, looking at Chalk Talk, and I've told you, the evolution of medicine and science and the whole bit. Tell me if there's anything new that's happened in the last 30 years. Yeah, and that he, was, he that was, was the only thing that's changed. I would say that between the times that Chalk Talk was made, which is the mid to late 70s, to now, uh, will, there will be documentaries out there that will get into more of the specifics of right. the science. But it, I really think... What he had the gift for and why Chalk Talk has stood the test of time is that when you first come into recovery, like you just mentioned, David, right. start with Chalk Talk. He gives you probably the best 30,000 foot view as to what is going on, right. why you why you need to get in recovery, how your life will get better if you right. get into recovery, um, the, the, sort of those general Topics. There is no one that does a better job of that. Later, later in your recovery, like where I'm at now, where certainly right. where you're at now, like the other day, you and I and were having a, a conversation about marijuana and the effects of marijuana. Yeah, that's the specific, a whole other but podcast, right. Yeah. But you see, those to, those are the types of things that that there are other documentaries, other books, other authors that you can yes. look at to get into the specifics. But just as an introduction as to the importance of recovery it, and how you do it, there was no one better than him. If nothing else. The part I never forget about Chalk right. Talk 
is when he talks about the relation alcohol. How do you define it? What's it doing to the brain? And he talks about ether, mm-hmm. right? He compares the and he and he literally writes the uh, chemical formula for ether and alcohol, and you go, oh damn! And I think <laughs> about that, Mike. Every time I'm pumping gas, right? <laughs> There's that sign, ten percent ethyl alcohol, right? Yeah, yeah. It's right there, and I say. It reminds me I'm an alcoholic because <laughs> I think about all that ethyl stuff. No wonder I was comatose. No, but but he would do that. You say, oh, that's why it's happening to me. He, yeah. I will tell you, David, in my own life, and we'll we'll wrap up with yes. this. And I have to say that I was exposed to a lot of different things prior to getting sober. And in my right. case, and sometime we'll talk about my story right. and, and your story. But in my story, I was exposed to a lot of things re- regarding recovery, but nothing was clicking. So I was what you were talking about, that that constant relapser. I was right. that for about 10 years. Right. And then finally, so the question is, so what happened? And I have people ask me that all the time. So what happened? It all started here. Right. And it all started with Chalk Talk and Father Martin, because I didn't know who he was. Right. I, Honestly, Ashley, I ended up here because it was the closest place right. and my wife liked it because it was close by right. and there was a family program and she liked that. We, I actually did not know right. the, who Father Martin was or the significance of Ashley when I first came here. But when I came here, that was the first time I had somebody explain to me in a way that I could understand what was going on in my brain the disease model of addiction, how there, that there worked, the progression. Yeah. And I had never heard that before. No, but no. that was the beginning of the end of of my addiction was when I came here and L- I heard l- him speak. Listen see. to what you said. He yeah. was saying back in the late 70s what it does to the brain. That yeah. was a new kind of, that's what I'm trying to say. That yeah. was something, you talk about innovation. People thought of alcohol. Look, there was, I don't know exactly when, Mike, you could look it up. Alcoholism used to be considered a disease of the liver mm-hmm. today it's a disease of the brain of the brain right? That, that's right that, that that's people it's mental that. and physical it yes. is both yes it, it's mental and physical and so yes. you have to treat both yes. and it's spiritual right so all those like you say the, the three parts have yeah. to be mental physical spiritual or you have to it. be addressed that's right they must be a, and he was really the first person that that drove that home yeah you know you know it's a physical uh, malady with a spiritual solution Mm-hmm. So yeah, there it, it was uh, he was way ahead of his time, and that's why today I, I look. I come from Connecticut. There are treatment centers. They still show chalk talk at, at they uh, do at at High Wash. They show it at other treatment programs. The military does. Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to tell you that quick story? Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll close. So fast forward many years. I'm I'm living in Washington D.C. Uh, and the Pentagon at the time. Had, had a program where they would take business executives and fly them around to, to different military bases. And it, it, was, it was part of their marketing, right? right? Get these business executives and see what we do, right? And every year they'd go to a different part of the world. I got invited to go on the Medita- Mediterranean trip, right? And what they would do is they'd take you to each mil- Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, right? And let the military show off their new toys, <laughs> That's basically what it was, okay? Yeah. So they started with the Marine Corps because their officer candidate school is right down the road. It's in Quantico, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So they took me back home. Now, they didn't know. This had nothing to do with addiction, alcoholism, right? This is a marketing tool that the, that the Pentagon was using to, to acquaint 
business executives as to what you're getting for your tax dollars. Mm -hmm. So they took him to the, the Marine Corps base in Quantico, Virginia. <laughs> and Marines being Marines, instead of showing them new toys, they took him up to the obstacle course. <laughs> they showed him martial arts and, they, and the obstacle course. Yeah. The Marine that was officer that was in charge of this exercise was a Marine major. She was a woman, which shows that the Marine Corps has evolved too, right? Yeah. So I'm talking to her and I'm telling her, you know, I was here, you know, in 1967 as a, you know, officer candidate myself, and blah, blah, blah. And, we're and so she, I said, tell me, tell me about your, this gospel, tell me about your career in the Marine Corps. I was wondering how she got from second lieutenant to major. And she was fairly young, I thought, to be mm -hmm. a major, right? So she's telling me, and then one of her last duty stations was at uh, in, in North Carolina at Camp Lejeune, mm -hmm. which is a big Marine Corps base on the East Coast. And I said, oh, what'd you do there? She said, I was the drug education officer for the, for the base. Oh, now I'm interested, because I'm, by the way, I'm here at Ashley, right? I'm on the board of directors at Ashley. I'm a former Marine. I'm interested to know, so what is, how does the Marine Corps do that now? They sure as hell weren't doing it in my day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she said, oh, we start out, we got this film. It's called Chalk Talk. <laughs> I swear <laughs> yeah. to God. And we show all of the, it's required. I couldn't it's wait. It's required. It was required. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't wait to get back here because Father Martin was still alive. I said, you aren't going to believe this shit. The Marines, he said, of course they, you know. He, Did he know? Did he know? No, no. He, well, I mean, he knew that, see, up until I think six years or so ago, I can't know the exact day, the, United, the Navy owned the rights to that film. Right. We didn't. And then I think it was like expired <clears throat> after 25 years. No, he didn't know if they were still showing it at Marine Corps bases, but they were then. So Wow. So that is that is that is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Yeah. Well, dude, I've really enjoyed this well, this conversation. You. I, I hope I've been helpful here. <laughs> oh, I, I this this has been uh, just a treat for me. It really right. has. And as we sit here, and as we mentioned, the sun so is coming up, and it's yep. beautiful out here. A beautiful office. Right. Uh, that's fantastic. So if you if you're ever in Maryland, Aubrey Grace, Maryland, which is northeast of Baltimore, come by visit the the campus. Yes. I guess that's what I'll term it is the campus because cool. it is a beautiful place. It really is. And so with that, folks, as always, I would like to say that I don't represent any group. Although, we, you know, we talk about AA, we talk about different groups. We don't actually represent those groups. We're just talking about the modalities that are used here and in the concepts. Uh, so we don't represent anyone other than myself and, and the same with Dave. Uh, but my purpose in giving this information is to share with you what I've done because it's helped me and it might help you as well. So if I've said anything that doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with, then just discard it. But try to take any information that you can use for yourself and help others as well because that's what we do in recovery. We help ourselves along the way and we help to impart the knowledge we've gained to others with that. Uh, as well. So with that, please visit our Facebook page, Recovery is Possible, and our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com, and let me know how I'm doing, and let me know if there's a topic that you're interested in hearing, because I'd love to hear from you. Take care, and Dave, thank you so much thank for you. spending time with us, and day. we will see all of you next time. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>